America, a shining city upon a hill. Have you heard that image used before? Seems rather discordant these days, doesn't it? A recent poll reported that while a majority of Americans agreed with this portrayal of America when President Ronald Reagan famously used it in his 1989 farewell address, only 17% would characterize America in that manner currently. But I think the phrase is worth investigating as it may actually have a particular relevance to this place and time and to the challenges that face us. First, though the phrase is credited in the polling article to President Reagan, it did not originate with him. The phrase is taken from the Christian scriptures and appears only once in the passage from the Gospel according to Matthew, which I read for the chalice lighting. It is in the section of Jesus' teachings popularly known as the Sermon on the Mount. Are you ready? Here it goes. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. That's it. The only thing said about the city on a hill in the whole of the Hebrew and Christian scriptures as far as I know. A city built upon a hill cannot be hid. Now, to be fair, there is some context. Jesus tells his listeners, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So there's other stuff that surrounds it. That little light of yours, let it shine. But as far as the city goes, the point is, it's up on a hill. Everyone can see it. Long after the time of Jesus in 1630, Puritan John Winthrop preaches to the soon-to-be Massachusetts Bay colonists while they were yet sailing on the ship, the Arabella a sermon entitled A Model of Christian Charity, in which he envisions the community they will create together, calling these individuals to follow the counsel of Micah, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. And he goes on to explain more about what that looks like in practice. And then he says, Consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us, so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. He uses the city imagery basically as a warning. He had some inkling that this community that they were creating would eventually cause many people to pay attention. And when people are paying attention, you want to be at your best. You want to do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Otherwise, instead of providing a model for others, you become a cautionary tale. And he was clear it could go either way. 
President-elect John F. Kennedy in his 1961 address to a joint convention of the General Court of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts recalled Winthrop's sermon, saying, I have been guided by the standard John Winthrop set before his shipmates on the flagship Arabella 331 years ago, as they too faced the task of building a new government on a perilous frontier. Today the eyes of all people are truly upon us, and our governments in every branch at every level, national, state, and local, must be as a city upon a hill, constructed and inhabited by men aware of their great trust and their great responsibilities. For we are setting out upon a voyage in 1961 no less hazardous than that undertaken by the Arabella in 1630. We are committing ourselves to tasks of statecraft no less awesome than that of governing the Massachusetts Bay Colony, beset as it was then by terror without and disorder within. And he added, for of those to whom much is given, much is required. And yes, Ronald Reagan used the image first on the eve of the 1980 election, referring to Americans awed by what has gone before, proud for what for them is still a shining city on a hill. Notice here that the city is shining for the first time, still shining. Now, he probably pulled that from the surrounding text in the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus saying, you are the light of the world. But just note that the city was never shining before. President Reagan returned to the image over eight years later in his farewell speech. I've spoken of the shining city all my political life. After 200 years, two centuries, she still stands strong and true on the granite ridge, and her glow is held steady no matter what storm, and she's still a beacon, still a magnet for all who must have freedom, for all the pilgrims from all the lost places who are hurtling through the darkness toward home. Again, the shining city. And I think that this is important because no longer does the image of the city call us to our best selves with the warning that everyone is watching. Rather, it congratulates us on what we have achieved. We are suddenly on the hill because we deserve to be there. We are no longer called to be good because people are paying attention, but rather people should pay attention because we are good. This fed into what is known as American exceptionalism. We are shining. We are special. Look at us. President Obama, in a commencement address at the University of Massachusetts in Boston, remembered the early settlers who came with Winthrop, those who, he said, dreamed of building a city upon a hill, and the world watched, waiting to see if this improbable idea called America would succeed. For over 200 years, it has, not because our dream has progressed perfectly, it hasn't. End quote. It hasn't. No, it hasn't. And this is something worth thinking about. Not to bring us down, but to give us some clarity about the work ahead. 
because I know, and you know, and John Winthrop, and John Kennedy, and Ronald Reagan, and Barack Obama all knew and know, I am sure, that whatever Jesus may have actually said, and whoever Jesus was talking to in those words from the Sermon on the Mount, it wasn't to us. I mean, it wasn't to us as opposed to anyone else. It wasn't to America, for goodness sake. Winthrop, with uncanny foresight, was saying, Consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. We will be like a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people will be upon us. And he, too, of course, was not talking about America as we know it, but wow, was he right. For better or worse, the eyes of people across this world are on this country, and they are sometimes forced to pay attention to this country, considering its power and global influence. And they are sometimes inspired to pay attention to this country, considering the ideals we uphold and the freedoms to which we aspire and the opportunities for justice we haltingly, imperfectly reach toward. And let's face it, they are sometimes inclined to pay attention to this country in the way that our attention is drawn by an auto accident, a house fire, a fight in the street. There is a disaster in the works, and you just can't look away. We are like a city on a hill in that what we do and who and how we are cannot be hid. How do you suppose things are looking? Not only now, but across our history. In an age when our president's branding campaign is to make America great again, and whose most recent speech makes it clear that he values statues of Confederate generals over the lives, health, and well-being of actual people, I think it is worth revisiting the painful irony and clear critique and genuine hope contained in the Langston Hughes poem. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. America never was America to me. America never was America to me. If we see ourselves as a city on a hill, we must understand that we set ourselves up on that hill by proclaiming a certain set of profound and revolutionary values that have only been very imperfectly realized. It is a tragic irony that the people who most clearly call us to live up to those values throughout history are often seen as unpatriotic and un-American. We threw down a challenge for ourselves, shouted it out to the world, so isn't it understandable that people, and especially those who have suffered most in the unspoken, minimized, dismissed realities of our history up to and including the present, isn't it understandable that people would say, okay, we're up on this hill, we have talked about the light for hundreds of years, so let it shine. Oh, let America be America again, the land that never has been yet and yet must be. 
to look with clear eyes into our history is not to engage in some sort of academic ivory tower political correctness. It is imperative if we are to understand how we might let America be America. To the extent that we romanticize our beginnings as a pure, unadulterated search for freedom and justice, we will carry some dream of returning to those pure beginnings. We will yearn to go back, and believe me, we don't want to go back. We have too often entertained the illusion that the stories we now know, stories that have always been there, stories from before the founding of this country up to and including the present of genocide and theft and lies and slavery and lynching and brutality and discrimination and the cynical use and abuse of black and brown and poor and vulnerable and marginalized bodies and the calculated decisions to treat some lives as expendable we have too often entertained the illusion that these hard, harsh, convicting, and all too numerous stories are aberrations, slips, merely unfortunate detours from the main narrative of American history, but they are central to it. We have entertained the illusions well past the point of credulity that we are a classless society, a post-racial society, that there is liberty and justice for all. All illusions. None of those are true. They never have been. And that is good news. Why good? because we are not struggling to recover something we have lost. We are not reaching into the past for some perfect dream of justice that we have hopelessly tarnished. We haven't chosen to simply walk away from the promise of that vision. We have not yet achieved it. Rather, we are participating in creating something new, joining an ongoing struggle to let America be America again, the land that never has been yet and yet may be. We are joining a struggle that has been going on for a long, long time against those forces that would pit us against one another to retain power and control against those forces that would dare to classify too many of us as expendable, racially inferior, religiously suspect, white trash, against those forces that would tell us that our dream has been achieved or the dream is unrealistic or that the dream is not worthy or that the dream is over. We are joining in an ongoing struggle. We may be like a city on a hill, but there is nothing about us that inherently shines. I've come to the realization that as many times as I've heard and sung this little light of mine, I have always focused on the powerful promise of recognizing that I and each of us have a light within us. I have spent less time thinking about what it takes to let it shine. That song is calling us to do something with the light, just as Jesus did to whomever he was talking to, both making it clear that this must be a decision. 
No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. We will only shine if we choose to shine, if we choose to spread the light, and we are willing to do the work of shining. And that is no small task. If we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken, John Winthrop said, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. It is one of the brutal truths of our history that the community that Winthrop was warning, the community that he called upon to care for one another, did not extend itself to the native peoples of the land that they were about to inhabit of whom he wrote, God hath consumed the natives with a miraculous plague, whereby the greater part of the country is left void of inhabitants. Prior to engaging in a war with the Pequot tribe and taking two captives as slaves. I heard just this past week that First Church Boston Unitarian Universalist, founded by the Puritans in 1630, will be taking down the statue of Winthrop that has stood on the property since 1904 in recognition of this real history. That is a powerful thing. It is a symbolic act, certainly, but symbols are powerful in themselves and often shape the actions and understanding of people within a society for good or ill, meant to illuminate or to purposely obscure and manipulate truth. We must grapple honestly with where we have been and what we have done if we are to grab hold of the promise of what we can do and who we can be together. We must wrestle with the America that has not ever been yet if we are ever to realize the America that must be. We must humble ourselves before all the ways that the light has been betrayed if we are ever to shine. 